Lewis Black once said, I think all food is comfort food. Maybe I just like to chew. For the next several weeks, we will be chewing on chapters six, seven, and eight in the Gospel of Mark. You might remember that chapter five ends with the healing of a 12-year-old girl. And after Jesus lifts her from her deathbed, he looks at those gathered around and says, y'all give her something to eat. Give her something to chew on. 678 is also the name of my favorite Korean barbecue restaurant in Gwinnett County. They use real charcoal brought to the table. That's the secret. Let me know if you want to go try it. Korean barbecue is great comfort food. Yet the number one comfort food in America today, pizza. We eat 320 slices of pizza every second of the day on average in the US. Pizza is the number one comfort food at every age unless you're over 70 and then it becomes ice cream and steak. During the pandemic, the top Googled comfort food was grilled cheese. I have to tell you, I had the best grilled cheese sandwich this year. The bread was encrusted with spicy hot Cheetos and the cheese inside was pimento. Does that make anybody hungry? Other top comfort foods include burgers and fries. Fried chicken is the number one comfort food in Georgia. And many of us might vote for mac and cheese, which counts as a vegetable here in the South. Van Leeuwen's an enterprising comfort food company whose slogan is we only make good things, decided to pack two great comfort foods into one with their newly released Kraft macaroni and cheese ice cream. Any takers? It's like Blue Box meets Blue Bell. When Jesus fasted for 40 days and 40 nights in the wilderness, his only comfort food was the word of God. You wonder how many times he recited his favorite Psalms to himself. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. One of those great comfort food Psalms. Is anybody hungry for a good word this morning? For a good word can be comfort food. A word of encouragement or affirmation can sustain us for a long time. Let me set the scene for today's meal. Jesus has been rejected in his own hometown and the text sadly states that he could do no deed of power there except for a few healings. So Jesus decides it's time to multiply the impact of his ministry rather than continuing to do it all himself. He's been training 12 people to be an extension of his work. Jesus gives his disciples authority over unclean spirit and sends them out two by two, reminding us that we should not do difficult work alone. He tells them to take only a staff with them, no bell, no bread, no belt, no bread, no bag, only one tunic and sandals, for thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. After they've gone out teaching and healing, they come back to give Jesus a report on all they have done. Perhaps that should be our sermon today. Perhaps each of you could stand up and give a report on your discipleship this week. Where have you done the work that Jesus has sent you to do and how did it go? Okay, maybe you're not ready for that today, but be ready. It'll be coming in the days ahead. Allow me to share some gospel comfort food from Mark 6, verses 30 to 44. The apostles gathered around Jesus and told him all that they'd done and taught. He said to them, come away to a deserted place all by yourselves and rest a while. For many were coming and going and they had no leisure even to eat. And they went away in a boat to a deserted place by themselves. Now many saw them going and recognized them, and they hurried there on foot from all the towns and arrived ahead of Jesus and the disciples. As he went ashore, he saw a great crowd, and Jesus had compassion for them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. When it grew late, his disciples came to him and said, 
This is a deserted place and the hour is now very late. Send them away so that they may go into the surrounding country and villages and buy something for themselves to eat. But Jesus answered them, you give them something to eat. They said to him, are we to go and buy 200 denarii worth of bread and give it to them to eat? And Jesus said to them, how many loaves have you? Go and see. When they found out, they said five and two fish. Then he ordered them to get all the people to sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups of hundreds and fifties, taking the five loaves and two fish. He looked up to heaven and blessed and broke the loaves, gave them to his disciples to set before the people, and he divided the two fish among them. And all ate and were filled, and they took up 12 baskets full of broken pieces and of the fish. Those who had eaten the loaves numbered 5,000 men. This is the good news according to Mark. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. God, may these words echo in our hearts and minds in the days ahead as we seek to feed in your name and be fed by you. Amen. Why is it that when we go on vacation, we often come back more tired than when we left? The disciples come back from their mission trip and Jesus recognizes that they need some rest. He tries to take them to a deserted place by boat, but they can't seem to escape the crowds. Just when they all needed to get away, there's one more need, one more crying child, one more thing to be done, one more issue to be addressed, one more email to be returned. And many of us would just throw up our hands in frustration. But the text tells us that Jesus looked at the crowds with compassion. And like Boston may have once said, compassion is more than a feeling. Compassion in Greek implies a gut-wrenching, a deep feeling in your gut, like the way our hearts went out to Simone Biles this week under a pressure we could not imagine. Or the Dutch cyclist who thought she had won an 85-mile bike race, crossing the finish line and lifting her arms in triumph, only to find out that another racer had been so far ahead of her that she didn't realize she came in second. Maybe we just had sympathy for these folks. We feel for them in their pain and in their struggle. Or we empathize, feeling with them. Compassion goes beyond mere feelings. Compassion literally means to suffer with a person. Compassion is feeling for someone, a feeling for someone combined with a deep desire to help. I can understand your distress and I want to help. It's that holy nudge that we sometimes ignore. Now, I don't have any sheep at my house, but I do have a dog. And when she's not getting what she wants, she starts to nudge me with her nose or with a paw. She might eventually end up barking, but she starts with a nudge. And God starts with us with a nudge as well. The people are wandering like sheep without a shepherd. And even though Jesus was trying to get some rest for himself and his disciples, he begins to feed the people a good word, teaching them for hours out there in that deserted place, filling their hearts and minds with good news, with comfort food, nudging them in the right direction, these sheep without a shepherd. And they learn, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. After many hours of teaching, it started to get late. So the disciples decide to point this out to Jesus and nudge him a bit. Uh, uh, Jesus, excuse me, in case you haven't noticed, the hour is late. Uh, it's getting dark. Uh, and that might have been reminder of enough. But then they decided to move from nudging to pushing. They decide to push him, which I do not recommend. Most of us respond better to nudges than pushes. Telling Jesus what to do is often not the best move. 
The disciples should have known better, but they look at Jesus and they say, send these people away so that they can get supper. Yet this is the one who makes us to lie down in green pastures and prepares a table before us. So Jesus pushes back and looks at the disciples and says, you give them something to eat. Have you ever had a nudge? That slight elbowing from God, encouraging you to feed someone else in body or in spirit, you give them something to eat. I think about poor Brian Knutson this week. His job is to feed all the US athletes at the Olympics. He estimates that his team will provide 7,000 meals for athletes and staff over a span of 27 days. You give them something to eat. I imagine trying to prepare enough calories for swimmers like Dunwoody's own Brooks Curry, who won gold as a member of the 4x100 freestyle relay team. I'm sure today his cup runneth over. You give them something to eat. That instruction still echoes, nudging us to do something and yet the disciples push back. You expect us to buy enough bread for all these people? We all have our excuses, don't we? Might God be nudging you a bit this morning? My experience is that when I listen to those nudges, those, the, Lord, the Lord provides. This week, one of our recent college graduates emailed me to let me know he was moving to DC and looking for a church. Could I give him some guidance? Isn't that our prayer for the next generation, that they'll stay connected to God and the church? I emailed one of my United Methodist colleagues from Northern Virginia. It wasn't DC, but it was close enough, and I got the automatic reply. I'm on renewal leave, trying to get away, trying to avoid emails like this, and not replying to email. Here I have a young person wanting to go to church, and I get the automatic reply. But then, not five minutes later, I do get an email back. He had compassion on me. Send him to the Foundry Church, he said. In fact, I recently sent a young woman from my church there. She just moved to DC and she would be glad to get him connected. The Lord provides. Five Catholic guys in Austin, Texas felt the nudge of you give them something to eat. Members of St. John Newman Church there knew there were hungry people in their community but weren't sure what to do about it, but they wanted to do something. They made food and delivered it to homeless men and women in Austin from the back of a green minivan. They made some mistakes early on, but with the help of a formerly unhoused man, they perfected the model that they still use today. What they started from God's nudge is now mobile loaves and fishes, and their slogan is serving goodness, and they have served over five million meals since their beginning. They call it comfort food with a side of hope. I guess even hope is a vegetable because they felt the nudge and they responded with more than a feeling. I wonder where's God nudging you or even pushing you today? We have opportunities for you to feed people all through August around here for our comfort food is not just a theme for the sermon, but a call for all of us to serve. We've been stocking the food pantry of our growing youth ministry with 192 youth signed up for tribes starting August 15th. Might you feel nudged to come and help serve a meal to this group one Sunday night? Or join us at the end of the month to help feed at Trinity Table on the last Sunday of the month. We have room for everyone to come serve. Let us know if you need more than a nudge, if you need a push. Jesus felt compassion for the people. Far too many of us stop there just feeling compassion. The Good Shepherd felt compassion and then dealt compassion, creating a plan to make sure people actually got fed. You give them something to eat and the disciples like us give excuses, complaining about what we don't have. So Jesus asked them to look at just what they do have. What do you have? We have five loaves and two fish, but there are thousands of folk out there. 
So Jesus organizes the people so they can all get fed. First, he makes them sit down in what the Greek says to lie down in the green grass. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He restores my soul. Jesus gets them to sit in groups of 50 and 100, making things even more manageable. But then this is the key. He takes what they have, a few loaves and fish, looks up to heaven, blesses and breaks them and gives them to his disciples to be distributed. And there's more than enough for everyone. Friends, our God is not a God of scarcity, but abundance. There's room for everyone at God's table and the comfort food won't run out. After everyone has eaten their fill, he sends the disciples back to collect the leftovers and each of them comes back with a basket running over full of broken pieces of bread and of fish. My cup runneth over. When they saw scarcity, Jesus lifted what they had, blessed it and broke it, and there was more than enough. A good word can sustain a person for a long, long time. How might your life be comfort food to someone this week? You give them something to eat, will you? Will you respond to that nudge before Jesus has to really push you, trusting that the Lord will provide? So friends, this week, keep reading in chapter six. Jesus walks on water and provides healing. As we hear the echo of, he leads me beside still waters, he restores my soul. You have whatever it takes to do what God is calling you to do. So go be comfort food to someone today and surely goodness and mercy will follow you all the days of your life. And together we will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen.